Hi, and welcome to And Introducing, a podcast about words, about music. I'm Chris Wade. I'm Molly O'Brien. Sorry. Wow. We're doing the show now, Molly. I'm Googling a fact. And introducing. Jesus. I'm off the ball. Behind the mic. It's Eminem. Yes, Eminem. Not the first king of controversy, but the worst thing since Elvis Presley. The MC who rose from an angry white boy in Detroit trailer parks to the top-selling recording artist of the 21st century. We're getting a deep dive into his life tonight through his book, Eminem, The Way I Am. But first, let us introduce our own king of controversy. On the third mic, on loan from the Ballin' Out podcast, it's Joel Zaninsky. Hi, Joel. Hey, guys. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm very happy to be here and very happy to talk about one of my truly favorite topics, which is Eminem. So excited. We're excited to have you here. Now, we knew uh, when you were swinging through town that we wanted to get you on the mic. And of course, the first thing that came to my mind was Eminem because I knew immediately and thoroughly that uh, without a question, before the words would even finish leaving my mouth, you would name Eminem as your favorite artist. Yes, for sure. I mean, he is definitely, I I would say, my favorite artist of all time, Um, even though he is does not release that much music anymore. So I would not say that he's, you know, currently that heavy in my rotation, but I would still say he certainly is one of the most important artists to me and was uh, an early favorite. And I just, I love him. Uh, When did you discover Eminem? In high school. In high school? Uh, Yeah. The first Eminem album for me that I really got into was the Eminem show, which is the third album. Great. Uh, And then subsequent to that, I went back and listened to the earlier ones. And uh, he was, for me, kind of a gateway drug for hip-hop music, which I think is the case for uh, a lot of white people, not to be too crass Mm -hmm. about it. Uh, uh, And I do still love all rap music, but Eminem does have a special place in my heart. And I still think he is one of the greatest, just in terms of sheer skill and uh, musical output, one of the best ever. And uh, yeah, I've just always loved him. The first cut is the deepest. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Molly... When did you discover Eminem? I was in middle school, but it was completely through, you know, I think I've talked about it on this podcast before that my parents were quite harsh with the parental advisory labels on CDs back in the day. So um, I was definitely not allowed. I don't think I was allowed to purchase an Eminem album, even an edited version. But I remember, (laughs) I think, I can't remember, uh, like seventh grade, maybe sixth grade back when I was still cool and popular. It was like a cool thing to like bring your disc man to lunch and like you could like listen oh, yeah. to songs during lunch and Scroll my friend, each other's, uh, you know, 24 disc CD binders. Yeah. Pick your fave tunes. I love an edited Eminem album, which is basically <laughs> nonsense. You almost can't even understand anything that he says yeah. on an edited version. I remember well, when I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, when I tried um, Apple Music back when it first came out and they converted your established library to the weird Apple Music files. Oh, yeah, they like screwed they everything up. They changed all the Eminem songs to the edited version. Oh so I remember God. I was at the gym and I put on Eminem and it is. <laughs> like, what is yeah, this garbage? Seriously, it is like every fourth or fifth word you can't understand. It really is unlistenable when it's edited. A lot of rap is like that, but he in particular. There's just no thematic, like, uh, you know, comprehension. Yeah, exactly. There's almost no songs that uh, you can do. You, like, like, there's some, a lot of rappers, like, they have a few tracks that you can still deal with when they're edited, but yeah. he, even his, like, singles are tough when they're edited. That's incredible. But that's just, like, part of uh, part of what he is. Wow. Yeah. No. Uh, so I, I didn't listen actively to Eminem, but uh, that day in the cafeteria, we listened to Stan, 
and it made it was the first time I heard it and it made me literally nauseated like I was like I couldn't finish my lunch because it like viscerally hit me so hard I was like what is this it was like listening to a a horror story yeah it was like true crime before that became like a thing now because now we only we only care about crime it seems yeah now these days (laughs) Eminem Stan would be a 12 part podcast docuseries oh my god (laughs) Stan's an interesting song because it is like I feel like the song is so entrenched now in popular culture and the term Stan is so deep in it that you feel Mm -hmm. like you forget that when you listen to it it is still a very scary intense song I mean it's great the craft behind that song is is incredible it's so entrenched of a concept that he created that even yesterday I was just absentmindedly <laughs> using the word stand and was like, now wait, 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 where did that come from? And uh, both these guys here had to be like, fucking Eminem, bro. No, you said, you asked, you're like, what is Eminem's, Eminem's fandom stands? called? And I was like, they're called stands because he started well, it's funny it. how we got into that, uh, to using stand as a concept of like super fan and people will be like, oh yeah, I stand hard for, for Taylor Swift when like the original context of that is like I, I would, would kill for, for Taylor, Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the original context is you love them so much you have lost your mind. Yes. Yeah, I would kill my my a, loved ones and myself. I'm for having Taylor a dissociative Swift. episode over Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was Eminem terrified me, and also like I definitely did not have any kind of breadth or depth of history of listening to rap before him anyway. So. That was my first introduction to rap, I would say, too. Yeah. So oh. terror and skill. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Eminem, is, he's, I mean, he was a lot of people's first introduction into rap. And it's interesting because it is his he is very different than a lot of rappers in the subject matter and kind of how he presents himself. And he also is just much better than most rappers. <laughs> so yeah. it, so it just in terms of the sheer skill level that mm-hmm. he d- demonstrates. And he takes a lot of pride in that, I think, in how good he is as a rapper. Mm-hmm. I think, And still, even now. He is not uh, clearly uh, is no longer as popular, as big, or as kind of productive as he once was. But his last album, uh, on a pure technical level, he still is remarkable. He still is as good as anyone at rapping in a purely technical form of like the skill of rap. Mm-hmm. Um, when he burst onto the scene, he was a little too too uh, macho for me. Like that kind of music was like extremely. I don't think I, I had the the words or the feelings or the emotional maturity to express this to me, but I mm-hmm. like knew that that was a little too angry for my sensibility. But like, he reminded me of all uh, the boys calling me a fag in a <laughs> locker room. Yeah, you're um, on one side of it or the yeah, other. Yeah. Right. Kind so of. that part of me was very put off by him, but. The other part of me who always loved like humor, like would watch his videos and think this is this guy's got a sense of humor about himself and about everything else around him that a lot of other pop, especially pop music and uh, also rap uh, didn't seem to have at that time. There was like a lot of self-serious hip hop. Especially as we move into the like ext- like absurdly angry, like we were just talking about DMX style hip hop, uh, where it's mostly about yelling how you're going to kill people. <laughs> uh, at, towards the end of the '90s and early 2000s, so I, I guess I had a kind of a mixed feeling to him, where I knew it was very much not for me, but I was kind of perversely attracted to his 
weird juvenile sense of humor. Well, it's interesting that you say that because it, he he's interesting because he is, if, it, if we're looking back at that period of time, like the Eminem, sh- um, Marshall Mathers LP, Slim Shady LP and Eminem show, like when he was really at the height of his powers, mm-hmm. he was kind of like a bully, but he was also very much like the bullied. He was a weirdo and he was an outsider. And a thing that was appealing to him for me, and I think for a lot of his fan base is... You know, like you said, hip hop was very angry. There's also an element of hip hop, and that was still when the Jay Z influence was so massive mm-hmm. in hip hop, where it's yeah. very effortlessly cool was mm-hmm. very big in rap music back then in terms of just like that was the Jay influence and that's and he that still permeates a lot of hip hop yeah, yeah. but that he was so Jay was so big then and Eminem for everything that he was was not cool really he wasn't really trying to be cool he mm-hmm. was like a weirdo and he was emotional he was and he angry. was angry yeah. and he was fucked up and he was angry and it, the anger was coming not from necessarily like obvious circumstance the way like you know like Biggie or Tupac are angry but they're angry because of institutionalized racism (laughs) and because of where they're from and because of these things that like you know as a suburban white kid you don't really necessarily understand on an emotional level no context Eminem's anger is coming just from his mind and just like not being able to control your own mind and the things that you're thinking about and how much anger you feel so I think as a lot of probably kind of you know middle class suburban kids who felt anxiety and felt anger and couldn't quite understand where it was coming from or where to place it because your surroundings Mm -hmm. seemed fine he was this thing where like he's he's fucked up too and he's honest about it and and you can relate and there's a there was a very cathartic feeling of listening to him back then Mm -hmm. because you could relate to him in a way it's like everyone talks about you know he was white and that's why all the white kids liked him and there's truth to that but i think there's an element to it as well of like just his you could relate to his anger and his neuroses in a way as a young person that you couldn't necessarily relate to the other big rappers at the time. It was mm-hmm. more abstract in a way uh, because it was about him and his certain certainly abstract anger. It's interesting what you say about him being both bullied and bully because he has very much that, that sense of like, you're going to hate me, so I'm going to become the thing you hate, exactly. which is a, a power fantasy in the same way that, you know, like Big Pimpin is a power fantasy in one way. Whereas just being the monster that other people think of you is a power fantasy in another way. And in some some ways, again, for a, a, a disaffected, um, a more middle-class suburban youth, a more accessible power fantasy. Right. And what was so fascinating about him back then is he was in this world of popular music with like Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera and boy bands. Like yeah. the other popular music at the time was so joyful and so like the popular kids at school that his place within it was itself this weird isolated version and he would obviously on the second and third albums explore that a lot about how weird and out of place he felt Mm -hmm. as a recording artist who was as popular as NSYNC and Britney Spears when they are so comfortable with themselves and so like the popular kids in school and he is so clearly anxiety ridden and angry and just how out how he out of place he felt in that world the way that a lot of disaffected fans of his I think probably felt out of place in their own lives yeah we certainly tapped into something Molly I just saw that you were googling Seamus Heaney <laughs> famed Irish translator of Beowulf uh, so, so I'm wondering how that's gonna <laughs> well I just gla- I, you know that's just something I do uh, sometimes it's just for Google the for Shane the other Heaney. the Seamus Heaney make, cast just to make sure that he's still there. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, I I had a glance at the back of this book, which is a, has a the blurb is from Seamus Heaney. No, what? He wow. says there is this guy Eminem. He has created a sense of what is possible. He has sent a voltage around a generation. He has done this not just through his subversive attitude, but also his verbal energy. 
Um, so like Nobel Prize winner Seamus Heaney has blurbed this book, which I don't know whose decision it was to make that happen. <laughs> Some savvy person. The, door, the publisher was like, I gotta talk about Penguin, him. Penguin, like, wow. That I just you know, and there's a quote from Rolling Stone that says he's the biggest rapper in history. So two sides of the coin of the, yeah. the literary and the the sales power of of Eminem. Well, what did we read today, Molly? Oh man. Well, uh this this is a weird book. I mean, this is this is not uh, a, a memoir, an autobiography in the sense of like mostly written words and telling a, a consecutive story. It's kind of like a product more than a memoir. Um, there's like you know handwritten lyric sheets included and like mostly photos and something like I don't know how hard someone had to wrestle Eminem to sit down and like write this. Is like it kind of, or maybe he told somebody. Yeah. I'm not sure how much effort went into this. Tbh. He seems- no shade? Me, yeah, I mean, he seems to me like someone who spends 24 hours a day working on his art, but would not want to do a, any kind of writing that is not the writing that he wants to be doing. So right. I could see him not really having the discipline to sit and write a biography. Right. Whereas I was looking at some of those lyric sheets, and they're amazing, and they are what you would expect. They're just dense with words, mm-hmm. and they're all there's no they're not like instruction lines. They're just like words all over the place, like yeah. a puzzle of words, which makes sense with how complex his and complex and polysyllabic. His his raps are right, but I could see him being the kind of artist who is very obsessive about his art, but is also not like oh, I'm not going to go like write like a short story. He's not going to like moonlight glasses and sit at the typewriter. He's not going to moonlight as like a New Yorker journalist. (laughs) He like like has the thing he does, and that's what he's going to do. And like he's done so much autobiographical writing in his music anyway that like part of this seems like sort of besides the point and feels you know I think we talked in a different episode about like the Destiny's Child autobiography being a sort of product (laughs) intended more for fan like lip service for fans than any kind of like actual text that perhaps a a PR move to explain. To explain a corporate reorganization. <laughs> yeah, right. So this is, I mean, this is weird. It, it, I also didn't realize at the time that I read it, which sometimes it's good to realize after the fact, is that it was written in 2008. So it was like before he oh, went to in- rehab oh, and before, you know, relapse and um, his like later work. So when was, that's interesting. Yeah, so that was like right. It, it's when at he a was, strange point in his that career. That was at a point where he was like a drug addict. He was like a, a full on drug full addict. Full on drug addict. We didn't, people didn't necessarily know that, but he, but he was. Right. He's extremely low key about it. And like the whole intro, like a very long intro to this book is about his best friend, collaborator, um, like, you know, friend for life proof getting murdered. Yeah. His day one, Mm -hmm. as they say, um, getting murdered and how hard he took that, because I think that was a big part of his sort of fall into drug addiction is just like not being able to process. And he says as much. He's basically like I was walking around numb. Like I literally couldn't. I didn't have the power of like language. I couldn't talk. Um, so that and like opening this book is like he's definitely in a it's like he's in a dark place but then he kind of wants to convince you that otherwise or like that's interesting I don't know um, do you have when, when do you know when Encore came out when the album Encore came out Encore might have been 04 it was okay. 04 yeah because that album felt like the uh, this is not like me saying anything that people don't have already discussed uh extensively but that album felt like he was starting to be under a lot of drugs and yeah it it did not have the focus or the lyrical dexterity of the earlier albums it felt like a little it has some great songs on it but Mm -hmm. it felt a little sloppier and a little looser and a little lazier than his other stuff and i think that was the beginning of just like him losing kind of his skill under uh, the duress of drugs. Hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I know the proof thing, 
I've never really read autobiographical stuff about Eminem, but just listening to his albums, they are very autobiographical. Mm -hmm. uh, so he talks a lot about proof in the more recent albums, uh, particularly Recovery, uh, which is kind of his, like, I'm all his, you know, inspirational, I'm better now, I'm better now yeah. album. And uh, yeah, it felt like, <laughs> I'm just imagining like an actual inspirational work from Eminem. That, about that album is an inspirational work. I mean, basically. It's just like a real positivity seminar about like focusing on your goals. A TED and talk a, from yeah. Eminem. Yeah, I mean, the, the, his song Not Afraid is kind of like that. Oh, yeah. And it's, and it's not uh, one of my favorite songs by him, but it is, you know, very, it is pretty unabashedly inspirational and unabashedly about getting overcoming your demons overcoming his drug addiction i'm in a kind of an unusual camp in that i slightly prefer relapse to recovery which okay. is a pretty uh encore relapse are considered his two like kind of bad albums okay uh relapse is very weird and is clearly him in like drug detox and just sort of <laughs> like it's a very disturbing album do but, you have a uh, do you have a, a track off that yeah, to highlight that who i mean Every track is basically just like murder fantasies. It's, it's, <laughs> oh my it, God. It, it's a very, um, I really liked, uh, but the actual like um, skill on it's pretty extraordinary. Um, there were like no singles from this. None. Three, at three, all. 3 a.m. was the single, but it wasn't really. I like um, that. I like Stay Wide Awake, I think is the name of a song. All right. Uh, I mean, this is a funny one to play first because it's not a popular song at all, but it's... Hey, this is a, we're all about being it, idiosyncratic on this podcast. What but this was a return to his lyrical skill form. I mean, his skill is amazing on this. Okay. He does do a lot of accents on the album, too, which some people don't like. This also that sounds extremely like 2009. Very like yeah. 2009, yeah, for sure. Um, but it, yeah, that, that album was very, it's very dark. There's, there's but, songs uh, like uh, Must Be the Ganja. Oh, yeah. Oh, you, um, My Mom. That's never a good thing to call a song when yeah, you're Eminem. Yeah, My Mom is uh, is, is pretty funny. Um, there's one called Medicine Ball that's pretty good. I mean, I, it's, it's, a, it's a good... I mean, it has a like certain raw kind of dark energy to it that recovery feels much more um corporate yeah and, and, polished. Much, and much much more polished and much more like here's the comeback album yeah and i just sort of enjoy the kind of edgy jagged darkness of yeah. relapse but again i'm not really uh that's not a very popular opinion uh <laughs> i mean that's a that's a fans only opinion yeah i mean i i definitely have some other fans who who are fan who who like relapse um and then some people like Encore as well, but Encore is, is, in my opinion, his worst album. Mozart and most aren't. Uh, Molly, let's start talking about the life of yeah. Mr. Mathers. So, I mean, the other thing about this book is that he kind of writes about his life the way it, like, as if we already know, because we kind of do like everyone knows so okay well we can we can do the like sketch overview i suppose uh marshall mathers born october 17th 1979 i think that makes him a libra um <laughs> i have to fact check myself but i think he's a libra just like me oh yeah mm -hmm. there you go uh grows up uh in a turbulent household 
first, he's oh, he's not born in Detroit, but he's raised in Detroit. Um, his father bounces when uh, he's a kid. He says in the book that it takes a real special kind of asshole to abandon a kid. Um, he's raised by his mother, Debbie. Uh, bounces between a bunch of schools um, while he's growing up. And he says he always knew he wanted to be a rapper. He didn't always know. He knew when he was around 14 years old, and that's when he met Proof. So he's known Proof since he was, like, a young teen. Yeah. A formative friendship. So this would have been, like, 1993. Yes. 14. Yes. Okay. The interesting about the thing with his parents is that, you know, anyone listens to Eminem knows that his mother is a source of a lot of anger in Mm -hmm. his earlier albums. And then in his most recent album, he basically says that he forgives her. And he then, and now he's pissed at his dad. So (laughs) (laughs) so there's a song in the new album that's just about how his dad is actually the bad guy. Um, And and he, uh, I guess, for years has not done... um, Cleaning Out My Closet, which is his very famous song about his mother in, at concerts. Really? He sort of has stopped doing that. Yeah. So I feel like he himself has taken a long time to finally blame his father for abandoning him versus his, his mother, mother for being, for being a, uh, I think by any standards, a pretty uh, difficult uh, environment for yeah. create a pretty difficult home environment for him. Uh, even if we really are mostly getting his point of view, it seems like it was pretty tumultuous. Yes. Um, he doesn't mention it in the book, but he, in that song, he says he's a victim of Munchausen syndrome, um, where his mother like treated, you know, he, did, he didn't put this in the book at all, which I find interesting. Maybe at this point in his life, he walked it back or he didn't want to talk about it, but he said his mom was always like pretending he was sick when he wasn't mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. I mean, and that tracks super well with his whole album of like, if you're going to sit or his whole, uh, mode of if you're going to say I'm sick, if you're going to say I'm sick, then I, I'll be sick for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For in sure. a different kind of sickness. But, you know, we work in the realm of metaphor here. <laughs> like, <laughs> m- m- much like he does. Yes. Uh, yeah. And he, and he has other stuff about uh, throughout songs about his mother being a drug addict and about how that's how he picked up the habit. And it is interesting listening to the earlier albums and hearing him talk about drugs and mm-hmm. taking pills and how mu- and him doing drugs when you know that he eventually uh almost dies and has to go through a serious rehab so uh but he t- he does talk about drugs throughout his entire discography he talks pretty openly about drugs his just point of view on them sort of shifts changes uh, over time well he says in the book that he did not really do drugs before he started rapping about them and then once he started rapping about them in his songs <laughs> people gave research. him the drugs he was <laughs> rapping about like he like, would occasionally like smoke a little weed like he wouldn't even get super drunk but then he starts rapping about like ecstasy mushrooms blah 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 and then like just kind of goes nuts because what, everyone what is, is like here drug wants of, him drugs. I know what his he ends up being Pills. A, a pill guy later yeah. on but in this era what is his drug of choice He seems like he's on a lot of ecstasy sometimes I feel like we keep learning that people are doing a lot more ecstasy than is commonly <laughs> depicted in pop culture know. Well, I feel like ecstasy becomes a common theme in so many of these books. And when you like think of the drugs that you see people having drug habits about mm-hmm. in film and television and music, it's like, co- especially coming through the 70s, 80s, and up to the early 90s, it's like Coke weed, and heroin. Coke, heroin, a little like maybe crack uh, is a big pop culture little drug. Crack. But, well, little but not crack. really. Just well, now, now in rap music, there's a lot of stuff about ecstasy and Molly. Yeah. And that, it feels like that at this in the current kind of incarnation of rap, uh, it feels like that's a much more prevalent. But uh, like, drug. name a movie before 2005 in which somebody does ecstasy. Good question. Yeah, yeah. that's. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think I can. I think it's well, you know, I, there are movies, a subculture thing, but these yeah. are these are people who are existing in in subcultures. So justice for ecstasy. Justice for ecstasy. 
Yeah, no, I just think it's funny that he he sort of the secreted his drug addiction by <laughs> rapping about it before in the same way. So like this is something I always think about when um, a rapper's debut single or album uh, already features songs about them being like famous and rich. Right. And it like it kind of seems like that that's a thing that people do in order to sort of like make that true. Well, that's another inhabiting the role. Absolutely. And that is another thing that I would say you can put a lot of influence on that on Jay-Z because mm-hmm. you listen to his first album, Reasonable Doubt, and he was by all accounts a fairly successful drug dealer <laughs> yeah. at that point, but that album is very much like I'm untouchable, I'm rich, I got all the women, it's like, he, 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 I'm powerful. It's very much like playing the role that he mm-hmm. would then achieve. Yeah. And I guess like Eminem's kind of doing that, but he's in just... like a dirtbag your yeah, way. Like, well, like a yeah. dirtbag drug addict. A, yeah. He's the um, secreting being way. an angry drug addict into the but world. That does actually <laughs> make some sense because, you know, you listen to, particularly you listen to the first two albums. I, I think the second album, Marshmallow's LP, is his best album. Mm-hmm. Um, that's I think that's a pretty common uh, belief. Most people, a lot of people would say that. Uh, those albums are so dense and intricate in the way they're constructed. I don't feel like he was on that many drugs when he was making those because it, right. it feels like too complex. Just the way, just like his most recent album, which is not, it's a mixed bag, but it's also very dense and intricate. Like that kind of stuff, I think, is hard to to imagine you doing when you're on drugs mm-hmm. whereas a lot of rappers today like you listen to like a future song and you're like well he is probably on drugs, drugs while he's recording yeah. this and that's part of his appeal yes. but it's like you can f- certainly picture him being on drugs while talking about being on drugs <laughs> whereas Eminem there's a little bit of a distance between it where it's like the things he's talking about and the sheer amount of dexterity and craft and thought that go into the songs on those early albums is there is like a little bit of a gap between the two it's like a fiction writer writing about drugs which is why he's a character in his own oh yeah well he's like a double character we'll we'll talk about that in a a sec so yeah he he meets proof and he calls i he calls proof his ghetto pass which i find interesting he's basically (laughs) like if it weren't for proof like i would have gotten like i would have never hung out in the world of hip-hop in detroit like amongst black people like i was a white dude and he was sort of my entry into that world and he made it me legitimate because he gave me the opportunity you know, to hang out with people socially and to like do these rap battles, um, which that know, makes sense. I mean, depicted. Yeah, I mean, I would picture. Obviously, I don't really know what like the underground Detroit battle rap scene is like. <laughs> besides Eight Mile, well, let me I, tell yeah. you a thing or two. <laughs> but I would picture being a white guy in that world is similar to you know being a black guy in like most other fields or yes. most careers where you really have to prove be so good and so much Twice better good to be than most people for them to, yeah, for them to take you seriously because mm-hmm. people are going in with an expectation that you can't deliver. Mm-hmm. So I think that uh, that uh, makes sense. Yeah. And it's funny that I don't, it's funny that he put it that way because I feel like John Mayer has expressed similar things but in a much less successful way. As John Mayer's Eminem's ghetto pass. No, like he <laughs> he, John said, Mayer he said something in the underground did, Detroit freestyle rap battle scene. If John Mayer wanted to join the the Detroit underground freestyle hip hop battle uh, world, he probably would wait, try. Wait, what is John Mayer expressed? <laughs> I don't understand. He said, "I'm gonna have to look it up." Like, he just said something like, "You have to be twice as good uh, as a white guy." To be a like singer, to be, to be a singer, to break into the world oh, of gentle he, white guy singer songwriters, you yeah, really have yeah, to, to break into the world of being a white guy singer songwriter. You really have to. Wait, is this about how like uh, he can 
Oh yeah, no. He this was this was from like a disastrous Playboy interview uh, that he gave, yeah, where that, he just said something about like uh, he he, a, he used the N word though. Yes, um, he had like a. Is this because he's friends with Dave Chappelle or something? Yes, John Mayer had a run where he was doing a lot of really bad, bad press, really bad interviews where you're just talking very openly about his sex life, where he's and, like uh, his I'm dick is a white supremacist. Yes. No, I was trying to remember. What he weird said thing something he said about weird about like his ex girlfriends, like oh, like Jennifer Aniston. Like he said something weird about her. Are we cool with John Mayer? I it's did not us- expect us to go on a John, John Mayer digression <laughs> on the Eminem podcast. Welcome to introducing baby. Uh, it's also funny. It's like one of these things, like a little like Prince, where he's an amazing guitarist, uh, but his a lot of his great songs have very little like virtuosic guitarmanship. Would you on say it. that Your Body is a Wonderland is a great song? <laughs> I was going to say a little like Prince. It's okay. not a little. Where it's like, John Mayer is this amazing guitarist and his best known songs are like basically third grade guitar level. Right. right. I believe that. He probably, I think when he's live, he probably does more solos. And yeah, I want to hear the 12 off. minute long like meandering solo live version of Your Body is a Wonderland. Yeah, yeah. you kind of, I guess you do kind of have to tone it down for a pop audience. Also, this song has probably claimed like thousands and thousands of dorm room virginities. Yeah, this sounds like a virginity losing montage from a TV that. show in has, 2004. I love the term has claimed thousands of virginities. <laughs> you didn't really have sex. You had se- the song had sex with yeah, you. Yeah, the song the song claims a virginity and gives it to the man. <laughs> Whispering. You put it in escrow oh, basically. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, uh John Mayer. I don't, I don't know I how we got I guess here, we but... forgive you. Well, I don't know. TBD. We can well, we can talk about forgiveness for saying offensive things in this podcast about Eminem. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, so he meets Proof. Um, he he decides he wants to start rapping. He goes to this place called the Hip Hop Shop where Proof like hosts. <laughs> yeah, it sounds corny, but I'm sure it was way cooler than it sounds. I, I we, would you much- like to per- per- peruse my wares? We have many hip hops here at the Hip Hop Shop, at the old Hip Hop Shop. <laughs> Chris, I bet if you were at the actual place, you would be scared shitless. <laughs> Uh, yes (laughs) yeah Um, so this is where Eminem kind of like he he cuts his teeth freestyling and really sort of proves himself where he first eats mom's spaghetti yeah well I think the spaghetti came came back up Mm -hmm. at some point Um, and this was in like 95 and he said I was the only white dude rapping in there rapping in there and I was getting love getting the respect I dreamed of so Mm -hmm. he wants he wants it all he wants Talent, skill, fame, recognition, and respect. it makes sense that he came up in the battle rap world because it's a lot because you know he always has had a thing for vicious stuff in his raps and also just like saying the most outrageous or kind jokes. of wild thing you can say. And I yeah, in a battle rap, that's it, jokes exactly. You want you want punchlines and you want insults. Yeah, punchlines and insults. You want everyone is, to go. Oh, yeah, exactly. And, and, and the other stuff he's known for, which is the, the very kind of the deep emo- like emotional stuff kind of interweaves into that in his albums but there Mm -hmm. is always still even in his current stuff even when he's like a 40 something man now he still has insults and jokes in his songs so that is just drilled in to his aesthetic from the beginning at the same time that this is happening he has his daughter Haley with his girlfriend at the time Kim Um, we obviously hear a lot about Kim in his music yeah Um, but at the time it seemed like it was going Kind of well. Um, I don't know. He was washing dishes at a restaurant for sixty hours a week, uh, struggling to make ends meet. Yeah, you 
six D, six zero hours. He was when he wasn't rapping, he was washing, it seems. Um, and then he said that they were like living in a shitty area and he said we were getting robbed. Uh well whoever would rob the house would wrap all the stuff up in a blanket, go throw it in the alley somewhere and pick it up later. So we'd go to the alley to get all our shit back. <laughs> <laughs> like he said it was just like the same guy would do it over and over and they would just like find their stuff sounds and take like it back. A fun game. It doesn't, it doesn't sound bad. Uh, <laughs> that bad. Yes. Um, and in the meantime, so he finally releases his first album, Infinite, in yeah. 96. Like, what What are your feel? I've never listened to Infinite. I've listened to it once, just as an Eminem completist. Does it uh, exist? Can I, like, listen to it It exists, somewhere? I think, on YouTube, maybe. I mean, it doesn't Ooh. exist in any sort of a uh, real way. It's very... It's, it's you know it's not what he it's very young and it's very much like his his voice comes into clarity on Slim Shady LP it, it feels like he doesn't quite know like what who he is doing. or what he's doing yet um, it's interesting as like it's just an Eminem completist to listen to it but mm-hmm. I, I've never felt a desire to go back apparently in the book he says that critics compared him he it said it sounded he sounded like Nas like he was trying to sound like yeah. Nas yeah I would agree with that I mean I think a lot of rappers that were trying to sound like Nas yeah yeah and you were yeah you know what I'm saying my pen and paper cause a chain reaction to get your brain relaxing. A zaniac, the maniac, an action. A brainiac, the facts, son. You mainly lack attraction. Sounds a lot like Nas. <laughs> but you're still hearing all those internal rhymes. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, he still was good. It just is. It just. He, he, beca- his... he became so unique. It just to hear him sort of aping someone else's style is, I think, probably what a lot of rappers do um, when they're first starting out. It's just aping the style of someone that came before them. Mm-hmm. But he's still, I mean, it's not bad. It has that same flair for drama that a lot of his uh, later songs would have, like those church bells in the background yeah. here that has that like epic, like toll doom is coming stuff that uh, some of his darker material has. Yeah. <laughs> but like those horns and stuff, that stuff all goes away. Well, yeah, it's, just, it's much more... Cla- of a classical hip hop structure, the yeah. song. Yeah. I mean, there are the internal rhymes, but in terms of how the beat goes, how he's up against the beat, it feels much more classicist yeah. than he would be. And uh, yeah, but it is, but it is, it is funny that then on the next album he really does arrive very formed mm-hmm. um, as what what he is, and he continues to grow. I think, but the but um, but yeah, it really he really. Sort of, I think sort of probably when he came up with the, you can say, if there's another book, when he came up with the sort of alternate um, personalities and the alternate, um, the Slim Shady I, character, I think, once he had the idea of like having a secondary character that he could refer to as himself and can kind of interweave that with his real life, that I think probably freed him up mentally and creative and creatively to do the stuff that he would do then, where if he's trying to just rap, like Nas is autobiographical it's like mm-hmm. he would just rap about his life and that's what a lot of rap was about that kind of authenticity right. for a long time and Eminem from the beginning from some shady LP was not about authenticity mm-hmm. he, he was but he was also about you You never really knew what was true and what wasn't and that's what was so interesting about it Right. Uh, also he's 17 here so like good job you know is he just is that how old he was yeah, he was born in 79 and this is out in 96 17 or 18 something like that yeah, wow. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that's exactly right, that he 
kind of found some freedom in having these alter egos. So obviously the name Eminem came from his initials, but uh, the name Slim Shady came to him. Uh, he says, when I was on the shitter, <laughs> literally I was taking a shit the, the, and really the name the just hit me. Yeah. Soul of a poet right here. So do you know you do a lot of thinking when you're shitting? Whenever, <laughs> <laughs> whenever I sit down on the toilet, I have my pen and pad ready. So think about that when you think about like his, your favorite I, I, lines. I, I, I believe it. I yeah. mean, he does, he does have a preoccupation with shitting in a lot of his music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, and it's what we have been talking about is like having the alter ego comes from him basically going with the perception that he's trailer park trash. Like he, he's, so he's saying like, if that's what you think about me, then that's what I'll completely embody. Yeah. Um, if he says, if that's what I'm going to be labeled as, then I might as well represent it to the fullest. Um, so that's, and I also, my personal theory is that the Slim Shady voice is just like an exaggeration of whiteness. He doesn't say that in the book, but like, I feel like that's his way of like kind of avoiding, you know, the black scent that has plagued everyone like, like through fucking yeah. uh, Iggy Azalea. Oh yeah. Yeah, he does. He never really tries to do, tries to sound black, which yeah. is, which is part, That's great. That's interesting because I, I can very clearly in my head hear like a typical like quote unquote cracker like y'all <laughs> like that nasally thing that he does yeah in your your makes it uh, super noise. nasal like almost a little like mm-hmm. southern or midwestern like if you're imagining the Eminem's slim shady voice and then just take it a half step one way or another you can be like y'all gonna stop in for something like that kind of mm-hmm. thing yeah totally yeah cartoonish um, yeah but uh, yeah, very well. Yeah, very. I mean, the Slim Shady stuff is very cartoonish. The Slim Shady voice is very cartoonish. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's what you just said is kind of what Chris says. Like, if this is what you think of me, I'll just make it. I'll just be it to the lean fullest. Into mm-hmm. Lean into it. Yeah. And he was. Uh, yeah. Like I said before, it was. I mean, you're coming in at a time where there. I mean, even still today in hip hop, there's a lot of people who prize authenticity and like you're rounding me about what's true and what's real and, right. and nothing else. And he from the begin from Slim Shady LP on totally doesn't care about that yeah it, 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 what he raps very i feel like what he does is very emotionally true and, mm. um but there's an element where it's like he is saying stuff that couldn't possibly be true because it's insane right. so it, and it, he would and, go to jail yeah <laughs> the way he says he did oh, yeah. Songs. oh yeah many many times over so um <laughs> so there's a sort of very conscious abandonment of that idea idea that hip-hop has to be authentic to your own life in order to be like quote-unquote real hip-hop and he just sort of embraces that it can be anything and anything mm-hmm. you want i think that a, a different persona even though then as the his career went on through the it, it, the some shape persona the Marshall Mathers and Eminem persona very became very interwoven, where it became hard to differentiate between the two sometimes. Mm-hmm. But even but from the beginning, that I think freed him up to do this. Eminem. Uh, so he he taught me to be. It was okay to be weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So he says he describes the difference between his alter egos. Uh, maybe we can pull up the tracks one by one. Hell so yeah. he, he says that Slim Shady is um, his song "Just Don't Give a Fuck." Uh, this is, is this all off of, um, I think, no, he's, he's talking about different eras. Just don't give a fuck. It's off, it's off, uh, Slim Shady LP. Uh, so this is Slim Shady. Um. My name is Marshall Mathers. I'm an alcoholic. I have a disease and they don't know what to call it. Better hide your wallet because I'm coming up quick to strip your cash. Bought a ticket to your concert to come and whip your ass. Bitch, I'm coming out swinging so fast that it make your eyes spin. You getting knocked the fuck out like Mike Tyson. The proof is in the pudding. The stats that Sean Holman. I'm 
Oh my god. <laughs> See, like, <laughs> I just let, I've never heard that song, yeah. and I love that, like, he can still shock me. <laughs> yeah, it's shocking. It's still shocking. That's amazing. Also, like, what's going on with the production here? It's, like, the, it's Dr. Dre. Yeah, it's, well, I guess that's the difference of his uh, tape versus this. Well, like, yeah. This is crazy stuff. It's yeah. like, I think it's Dr. Dre figured out how to produce for him yeah. early on. It was like, you can't produce for him like normal hip-hop music. It has to have this weird kind of funhouse mirror demented cartoon sound yeah. for what he was doing back you then. You can't dance dance to it or no. like you can't really play it at parties honestly no. like mo, yeah mo, he only there's only a small portion of his music that feels like appropriate for parties <laughs> <laughs> it, it is really not like party rap music yeah um uh, it's yeah it's also a but particularly this album is it, it is it, this album is very consistent aesthetically and it is like this kind of twisted cartoon reality mm -hmm. uh two things on that uh, one I've always found interesting and like one maybe the most unique like the way that he talks back and forth to clips and samples and people talking to him in his songs mm -hmm. where he'll like say stuff and be like you can't say that well I just yeah, like, yeah. on um on the song Criminal on Mar Marshall Mathers LP he plays I believe seven different characters in the course of the song that's insane um, who all just like talk back and forth all talk, who are all talking to each other it's in, it's it's incredible but um yeah he does we'll, that we'll a lot we'll listen to that in a little bit and then the other thing it's Interesting that he and Insane Clown Posse come out of the same <laughs> environment at the same time. And if you read Insane Clown Posse, and obviously, like, take this with a grain of salt because they're Insane Clown Posse, they'll yell about Eminem, like, being buddy buddy with them and then ripping off their shtick and going and doing something else, which is, like, <laughs> yeah. probably not the way it happened, but it's, it's, Interesting that that funhouse aesthetic came up in the same way in the same time uh, as they were developing their sounds together separately. I, I don't mean, know what his history is with Insane Clown Posse. I think he is on the record saying he was a fan. Mm -hmm. uh, I do not know if they like were friends or they worked together. Or I they think it's knew the kind of other. thing that they were in the same scene at the same time. They think they had clearly had very similar impulses. But like ICP wasn't at the hip hop shop battling. No. No. So like they weren't I think he probably but they were the like, perception of them was much different. If you were like an up and coming white rapper in Detroit at the same time that these other two guys were dressing like clowns and rapping uh with each other, you would probably be aware. There can only be yeah. one. No, yeah. I mean I think yeah, two. I, I'm sure he was influenced by them. I mean that doesn't that doesn't yeah. seem off base at all. But uh you know, everyone's influenced by everybody. That's yeah, it's, that, it's that, true. That, that's music. That's but art. It, it, it's 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 interesting, and I think it says something about the response to their same conditions that they both developed this idea of a warped funhouse. One a little more literal than the others, but uh, and one they literally yeah. made like their entire life and brand. Uh -huh. Yeah, down to like creating that like immersive experience for the, their fans once a year. Oh, uh, oh yeah, the gathering. You, the gathering. <laughs> you guys. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Dark Carnival, the fictional universe in which ICP exists. Oh, right, 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 I'm going right, to go on the record right now and say the two of you should go to the gathering of the Juggalos I this year crush and it. then do an and then do an episode so, re, re, oh, re recounting the experience. I think Here's that's a great thing. idea. It's getting to be the point that gathering of the Juggalos is the kind of thing that for every actual attendee there is a like Vice News reporter right. there. Yeah, exactly. To, it's you should, totally you should go there as, now. as like reporters, as members of the media, and yeah, just check it out. I'm just saying that it's over. Or we should just go to the gathering under the gathering. 
the, the sub gathering. Yeah, you're right. You might be right. <laughs> I don't know what. Yeah, what? Yeah, where the, well, the, where the like, real juggalos yeah. hang out? Well, like you could. Do you go or do you go? Like, do you do you just write about the the infamous drug bridge or do you participate in the market of the drug bridge? Look, unless I, you end up like on PCP. Yeah. Unless every inch of my Possible. body is fully Maybe. coated with Fago, I won't have fully considered that <laughs> oh I had gone God. to the gathering. God. Oh, my God. They just played in New York. We should have gone. You should have gone. Oh, we got to keep an eye on it. If ICP goes, I would like to go to an Where ICP Where did they show. play in New York? I don't know. Probably like... MSG. Hall. <laughs> yeah. You can see Eminem when he plays in another 10 years or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. All right. So, yeah, anyway, but we were talking about the his ego, his alter ego. So that just don't give a fuck with Slim. Um, lose yourself is Eminem. Like he says mm-hmm. that lose, lose yourself is the embodiment of Eminem. Yeah. Well, it's a song about him getting ready to do a song. Yeah. 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 Is, is that kind of like when R. Kelly um, says, I'm going to give you a preview of the remix in um, mm-hmm. uh, the 2 2 Beep Beep song. And then he gives you the entire <laughs> remix. remix. Unprecedented. Well, what's cut out of... <laughs> What's cut out of Ignition Remix is the seconds after the the actual music of the song ends, where R. Kelly also goes, "That's a, a little something like what it'll sound like." I haven't done it yet, but like yeah, something like, like that. Yeah, like we're th- we're workshopping it. Yeah. Also, we're I'm sorry. Th- this is the second podcast in two podcasts that I've um had like aphasia with uh song titles and called it the. Two- I just I literally didn't remember that it was called Ignition Remix in the same way that I I fucked up some other song too. I'm sorry. It's a toot toot beep beep song now, so. <laughs> R. Kelly's right. infamous hit, toot toot beep beep. Also, fuck R. Kelly. Yeah. Yes. Just like, side He really note. seems like he's sort of, while everyone else is getting busted for sexual assault, R. Kelly, there was a huge expose about, about him, the like, cult he runs? In, like, enslaving people. Yes. And he basically just sort of still, still doing, going. Still going. I mean, that's. I that's saw some. He's the Woody that's, Allen of, that's, of hip-hop. That's very dark. I saw yeah. some, R. Kelly is the Woody Allen of <laughs> Like, I don't know why people keep working with him. Yeah. My fave, Lady Gaga, fucking recorded a song with him, like, long after accusations started. There's that one reporter in Chicago who's, like, his entire life's work is trying to bring R. Kelly down because he's a sexual predator. Uh, I saw a tweet today that... Uh, because Terry Richardson just got a full ban from yeah. blacklisted uh, from yeah, yeah. Conde Nast. Hell Nast yeah! Things. Another thing that should have happened a long time ago. Where somebody dr- dragged up a headline from 2013 that was like, "Just saw this," and it was uh, something along the lines of, "Thank Terry Richardson for catching this moment of excellent sexual chemistry between R. Kelly and Lady Gaga." Yeah, Ooh. it was like, "Oh, that's just like <laughs> that's a disgusting room to be in." Woof, <laughs> yeah. tweet. Pro- oh. Problematic. I, I love seeping. Lady Gaga too, but that's a bummer. Yeah, yeah. she works with him. I mean, Terry Richardson directed a Beyonce video. Like that fuckery goes seem deep. Like, yeah, I that, mean, well, he's shot everybody. Every famous woman he has has did a photo shoot with him. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, what are you gonna do? Kill but, your. Not do your it. Idols. Yeah, but at least now he's coming down. But R. Kelly feels like he's just kind of getting keep, away with keep murder. It on. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, what so did, what does he say as the um is the Marshall? He matters? says Marshall is Mockingbird. That's like his that's oh, his Marshall. Hmm. Mockingbird, right. was that a single? I get yeah, that song's okay. I actually I do kind of understand what he means in that those are all very pure, unadulterated versions of each one. Mm-hmm. I always am more interested in the songs that are combining Blend. the two where you can't quite like I love the song Marshall Mathers on Marshall Mathers LPU that's a that's very personal about his life and also has an 
incredibly dark stuff in it. Um, yeah. It's like, it's it's the combination that I find more intriguing. Like, Mockingbird is, is just kind of a sweet song, so it makes sense that that is him as a father and as yeah. a person, but it's not the most interesting song by him. Right. Yeah, this, this is fun. Right? It's sweet. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not bad. It's Daddy's here. It's very sweet for, uh, for it's very Eminem. sweet for Eminem, and it was hearing him in that mood. Daddy's Home Three, starring Eminem. Eminem. Yeah, but like, but that is probably why. Again, I think his best album is the second one, which has the most is the most. Uh, different person where the one where it's the personalities are so combined you really you the lines are all totally blurred there's no point in the album that feels like it's purely his life there's no point it feels purely fantasy it all feels intermingled in Mm -hmm. this weird way and that's kind of what's so great about it um but yeah those make sense as like kind of very pure distillations of uh of the two sides of him mockingbird Mm -hmm. and uh and uh uh, lose yourself and and just don't give a fuck and just don't give a fuck right (laughs) i mean even the even the titles of those out of those songs seem yeah. to like point to exactly what they are, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love this song. I love his sung like his yeah. early sung choruses because they seem like such a mockery also of like boy bands and yeah. like the idea of having like the catchy chorus. Yeah, this is so it's like this very personal intro and then I love it. <laughs> and the like sensual acoustic guitar in the background. Yeah, it's that combination yeah. of like this like this thing of just and it just gets darker and darker and then it goes back to the like I'm just Marshall Mathers chorus. It's I just think it's yeah. brilliant. I think it's it's so brilliant. Um it's like Stephen but, uh, King shit. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about this earlier when we weirdly or not earlier, but months ago when we randomly heard uh, "Without Me" on the radio on a bus. Oh yeah, <laughs> like earlier this year, which I was like, "What year is this song from?" <laughs> yeah, still on the bus. But one of the like secret strengths of of Eminem is how catchy a lot of his choruses are. Yeah, where particularly, you really like, particularly back then. Yeah, yeah, where you really are humming them days after you hear them. Yeah, uh, which is something that not a lot of people. Can can do in, in pop song rap songs like these. Um, all right, let's. So you know the that that was just like his alter ego bit. Um, uh, he records the Slim Shady EP in 1997. This makes it into the hands of Jimmy Iovine, who plays it for Dr. Dre, who is like, we need to sign this dude immediately. Um, they start working together. Slim Shady LP comes out February of '99, um, and my name is blows up. Uh, so I bring this up. Because obviously, like, kind of the rest is history, right? Like, oh, God, this song is insane. Um, I, br- I bring this up because this is his first big controversy because his original lyrics to the song were, my English teacher wanted to fuck me in junior high, only problem was my English teacher was a guy. So, like, his mm-hmm. homophobic, mm-hmm. like, shit came to the forefront, especially since uh, th- it ended up being a different line. But the sample that they used for the song was written by a gay activist who apparently he owns all the publishing rights of that song. Like Eminem didn't make a dime from my name is. And the guy who did the, made the sample was like, you need to change that line. Like that's homophobic and you have to change it. But then it came out what he said. He originally said, 
and there was a bunch of controversy and uh, Eminem said, yeah, I suppose a gay man had a hand in the explosion of Marshall Mathers. Yes, act like you know, bros. Um, he said he was frustrated by how seriously people were taking me and he got tired of explaining myself so the next album, uh, content warning, homophobic fucking language, went into the faggot zone, like on purpose, like fuck you. So that's another example of him leaning into this idea that like, oh, you yeah. think I'm homophobic? I'm gonna start being extremely homophobic. Yeah. Or, set, you know, I mean, yeah. putting that in his lyrics. And so we're talking about the blurring between reality and fantasy. His thing is, like, he's, like, pe- people can do whatever they want. Yes. I but. Mean, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> but, I mean, well, he puts it out. He put it out into the world. Yeah. I yeah, Look, I agree. Um, the homophobic stuff is tough uh, with Eminem. It, 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 there is an element where, you know, I think it was a combination of I think he probably what did have some 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 issues um then but mm-hmm. at the same time I do think it feels like it's primarily there to just by be like fuck you I'm just going to say what I want fuck yeah. you I can say anything I want it's not is it even me is it my persona like what am I even saying it's it's like there's so much blurring lines of reality mm-hmm. clearly I'm not going to say that there aren't people who listen to Eminem and are back then and saw the homophobia as legitimate and were like, yeah, yeah, yeah fuck those people. It's, it's like, like the South like, Park syndrome where South Park is making fun of the bad thing and then people are like, yes, I like the bad thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's, yeah, I mean, it happens with uh, with all sorts of things. It happened with, uh, this is a very weird comparison that just popped into my head that I saw an interview with Michael Douglas once okay. <laughs> where he said that after they made Wall Street, all these Wall Street guys were just like, yeah, man, I love it. I love Gordon Gecko. I like, I, that's why I got onto the street. It and same thing, Michael Lewis, who wrote Liar's Poker. Mm-hmm. I ran over with him where he said after he wrote Liar's Poker, all these people, which is about how corrupt Wall Street was, all these yeah. people were sending him letters being like, how do I get a job on Wall Street? Can you give me some advice? So it's like, there's always going to be people who don't see the nuance of what you're doing when you're talking about controversial topics. I, I'm, I mean, there's there's no way to defend like some of the, homo, the homophobic stuff in the Eminem albums, but I just think it's... It's man, it's just a manifestation of his own anger and of him just trying to like match what people think he's going to do. It's mm-hmm. there is that element of it of being like the instead of being becoming the bully, so you're not bullied, becoming this provocative, mm-hmm. so people can't like tell you what you can't say. Yeah, and I do think that's a lot of what's motivating him. And I don't think uh, currently, I don't think he's homophobic. And even back then, I mean, I don't think he was like a hateful person. I just think yeah. he was a very willfully provocative person. You don't think that these albums are hateful albums? Um, no, I don't. I think that that is a pretty hard position to take. I think that they can be good pieces of art and good examples of a a person operating at the highest level at among the highest echelons of their form and still contain content that is extremely hateful purpose and purposely alienating to whole classes of people, not just including uh, gay people, but women. Women. Yeah. <laughs> women. Uh, that are, that is like in a way that is unavoidable and inexcusable. Um, and you can create a, structures around it to kind of explain what the thing is but the thing at the center is still like an incredibly hateful message that of the most demeaning belittling things that he can imagine uh, lobbing at himself or others is the accusation of being 
homosexual. And yes, you can go into like, I mean, even now I'm doing it. I'm erecting one of those edifices to explain things. Yes, you can say, oh, that's just a word. Like, that's just how he was thinking about things at the time. But these words are not without their connotations and they have these powers for those reasons. Yeah, that's and he fair. Still, I, st- I would still say that in the book, he doesn't quite, I don't think he fully gets that just because you think it's fine to say because it doesn't actually reflect your feelings doesn't mean that when other people hear it, they won't be hurt. Yeah. Um, because he says, so he's talking about when um, Elton John performed with him and that was sort of like the the quelling of the yeah. homophobia. Yeah, what did he say about that? Um, so he just says, oh, like, so he, they played... Yeah. He's like, at a rehearsal for the Grammys, he went off about the people who were against me. I think it's hard for some people to understand that for me, the word faggot has nothing to do with sexual preference. I meant something more like assholes or dickheads. So, like, he's he, okay, he's, he's yeah. got, like, a 12-year-old. Like, he just reminds me of, like, the people that I went to middle school with who all used, you know, words like faggot and re- retarded. You know, these words that are, like, really hurtful to marginalized people. And like, thinking, uh, yeah, like, that's oh, what no, I was I just going to bring it like up. that. I meant it when, because, you know, that's just the synonym, right? Boys in your locker room in middle school called you a fag. Did you not explicitly know that they were saying that you're that they were insulting you by claiming your sexual preference was for men? And they were saying that uh, I, I wasn't really called that in middle school. But if, <laughs> if that happened, uh, yeah, of course, I, I would I would feel that way. Then I think that if. Us average. I mean, that happened to me a few times. I wasn't like super, super bullied, but again, it was like a little bit like water for boys of that type at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was all around, and you kind of like lived in this per- pervasiveness of it. Uh, when it happened, I understood that to be the connotation, and if I understood that, and I understood the people calling me that to understand it, then I know that Eminem understands it and understands the connotation to be that no for sure i mean he is he certainly is stunted in certain ways yeah as a person and uh you know uh not not necessarily i mean i I can't speak to him right now but back then there certainly were a lot of ways that he was stunted in his development as a person from Mm -hmm. his background from just like his own mental issues Mm -hmm. uh yeah, I mean, you can't argue. You can't. There's no way to make the counter argument to this. It is. Yeah. It, it is bad. I mean, this stuff. And you, I saw him live. Maybe. Oh, here is the Dalton. This is great. It is great. Oh, I love Elton John. <laughs> he looks fucking great. He's wearing like a pink and yellow polka dot suit. This is a really nice gesture. Like this is a, a really cool that Elton thing that Elton d- did it. That mm-hmm. that Eminem would do it. Well, I with think him. But, so. Yeah, well, I, think, I think that, goes I think that shows. I think it shows both ways. I think the fact that Eminem wanted to do it with Elton shows that he is not at his heart a hateful or bigoted person mm-hmm. I think he is a immature stunted person yeah. who's incredibly brilliant in some ways and due to whatever factors internal external nature nurture whatever he's stunted in other ways but I don't think he's actually a a person who deeply hates other people mm-hmm. and I think the fact that Elton did it as this huge as, as you know one of the biggest um, gay musicians in the world is that he himself also sees that Eminem is an artist and wanted to, and wanted to say that like this guy is an artist and he is and there it, we can work together that, that you don't have to just totally 
write him off because of this. I, th yeah. I, th I think there's a mutual thing that was shown in this performance. Um, I was just going to say, I saw him in him live a few years ago, and he does, in his live show now, uh, I seemingly consciously exclude the verses that are very homophobic. He, mm -hmm. he, he, he at no point did he do any of his really homophobic stuff. Like he did that song Marshall Mathers, but he stopped it. He stopped the verse right before the homophobic part. So he does. He, he does make an effort now when he performs live to not touch on that stuff. I think so I mean, that's he important. has. So I think he's matured to that in that way. Um, I guess it's just the only thing I would say is just like, you know, it, it, I don't want to dig myself into a hole here, but I, it, it, <laughs> but it, it's just he was making art then, and he was a clearly very tormented and very complex person, mm -hmm. and he was just putting out the stuff that was not that he was creating as an artist, this was, and, I was, and I think that's yeah. what he was doing, and I wouldn't want to have censored him in any way because what he created was, I think, so brilliant as art. And I understand that it there's a lot of very dark stuff in there. I understand there's a lot of very hateful stuff in there, but it's like, it, and I understand that I myself am not a person who's attacked in that, so it's very easy for me to say all of this, but that I just think, you know, he was just doing, he was just putting things out and he was, he was just writing what came naturally to him and take it or leave it. I mean, there's, that's just I think what that we can doing. land on that, Eminem is perhaps not an eight, a hateful person who created hateful art that was nonetheless brilliant. Yeah, I think I could. Agree I think with his, that. also his desire to be like a contrarian overrode mm -hmm. his sense of social decency. Yes, a hundred percent. Which he, is and something that, like, especially as a young person, yeah, yeah, that like that makes total. I think as sense. a young person, as a person who is very hated. But by a lot of people, he just his instinct felt like, I think, to double down and mm -hmm. to just be like, fuck you. You can't tell me what I can or can't say. And, and that's what makes it so sick. complicated that the the contrarianism, that sense of leaning into flying against every social, socially acceptable impulse mm -hmm. is the thing that makes the art brilliant. And it was also, In conclusion, I would say, Eminem is a man of contradictions. <laughs> there's layers. There's always layers. layers. It was also just like the late nineties were fucking crazy. Yeah, there's so I don't, I don't want to use that to excuse that kind of behavior either. But like now, like say this happened now, you could never ever in a million years get away with no. saying the things that he would say because literally there would be a popular because, because of that. that. Yeah. Versus, you know, the idea of being shocking and controversial as your brand was like such a thing yeah, in the he, late 90s he, he caught on in a couple of ways he caught on right at the end of like the record business as this massive like right when the, it was still yeah, yeah. this monolithic huge business mm -hmm. so that's why he sold so well and he caught on right when it was you know um you could still kind of do that and um yeah i mean he he, he could not exist today the way he existed back then no yeah. way <sighs> you guys wanna, ah. do you guys want to listen to without me sure. always uh this is uh, among my favorite of his songs. I think that if pressed, I'm not super into his his like deep cuts, uh, but this one is probably my favorite of his that I know. Great. I mean, this was catnip to like us middle schoolers. Oh yeah. The trailer part, like all this stuff. Just, this I is don't the know. One, this is one of his songs that you can play at a dance. This song you can't play. They at a probably dance. did play this at a dance. Absolutely. This is a party track. Yeah. The rare. I, I actually um, really great, like this great video of Eminem as and Dr. Dre as Robin, and, as Robin and Batman. So good. Um, but yeah. this is like okay, 
I want to talk about the sound of this because it's still got that carnival thing, but it's a little more full sounded. It has uh, that kind of like sonic fullness. You can hear all the different things going on. Slicker. Yeah, yeah. I just want to yeah. get to like the na 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 stuff. It's a great song. Let's get to the chorus of this one. This one, this one feels like it has all the parts of Eminem in it. Yeah. Of, uh, yeah. Of, as, of a lighter Eminem. Yeah. Like, like the yeah. like the funny Eminem. But yeah, this is great. Because he's already so self-aware too at this point. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's well, been he's, he's been self-aware, huge at this point. but like yeah. he's it's um, that like reflection moment of like who am I? Yeah, I mean, it's. He is very funny. It's like he's one of the only rappers who can really make you laugh out loud and yeah. laugh wow. over and over about like cum jokes. Thirteen oh, years later, it's so because you know? the rhyme is so intricate. Yeah, that's yeah. what that's it's, also, it's, it's like it's, still surprising it's, every it's, time it's, you hear it. It's the juvenilia up against how complex the rhyming is, where it's like so few people can actually do that, yeah. and yet he's using his powers for such stupid <laughs> stuff. Yes. like that's what's so funny about it. Yes, but um, it's like we were talking earlier about how hard it is to do. Eminem songs and karaoke because when you think about them back you're like oh yeah I remember it's just like all those fucking fart jokes that he like rhymes with each other and then you go into it and you're like every time you read the lyrics you, you forget what he's doing how in the lyrics dense it is it's so his and like where you so, put the emphasis and like so yeah, how dense. fast you have to yeah. go like it's it's crazy yeah um that song is a pretty good i feel like representative of the Eminem show as an album because it is slicker than the first yeah, two yeah. Mm-hmm. it's more openly commercial it's a little more kind of stuff you can dance to stuff you can move to it's less hateful it's 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 even though he does uh call call out uh what's his name moby Moby in it for uh the same stuff we were just talking about well i've heard uh that moby does not have a great reputation in the music industry just in general (laughs) Um, is that why he's almost strictly a restaurateur now i think it might be part of it Uh, Um, just from a from a yeah i've I've just heard um hot uh, hot moby goss i do i do have some hot moby takes but i don't know if i uh feel comfortable uh saying them on the mic but um uh But yeah, so the album is just a little bit. It's just more sort of like yeah. It's a it's it's less personal. It feels a little bit less personal. This is still very personal, but just a little tighter, slicker. That's why this was the first Eminem I really got into. It's a good gateway Mm -hmm. Eminem because it's like because it's not quite as like just the song structures are a little tighter. It just it it feel it's just a little more like here you go like more just sort of ready for prime time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but it's, still, but, but it's still great. I mean, it's still I I I, I still love it. I would I mean I still would say it's uh, the first three albums are all fantastic in right. my opinion. Do you guys have a favorite Eminem line? I love. It's a whole run at the end of I'm back. Yeah, for, I'm back on Marshmallow's LP where he mm-hmm. talks about. Uh, it's it's something I'm going to how he says it, but it's like um. It, it it's like uh, talking about the rumor that he was sticking it to Christina, mm-hmm. but if I did it with any singer in showbiz, it'd be Jennifer Lopez and Puffy. You know this. Sorry, Puff, but I don't give a fuck. If that chick was my own mother, I'd still fuck her with no rubber and come inside her and have a son and a new uh, brother at the same time and just say that it ain't mine. What's my Whoa. name? And it goes to the chorus. 
Oh my god! I mean, that's, it's dirty, but I think that's so funny. That's so a, that's a perfect br- example. So brilliant of yeah. like the 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 technical yeah. skill have and a, also yeah. just like have a son and a new so brother perverted. at the same time and just say that ain't mine. What's my name? And it's, I just love that. Oh my god! Oh man, my feels <laughs> I feel so weird. I just gotta take a shower. So I, mean, yeah, no, I, 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 still, I, I know it. I just knew it. Yeah, uh, Chris, uh, you have a favorite line. This this one feels lame. I mean, I like this stuff in Without Me where he talks about where he's like ragging on Elvis Presley and then in the middle of it has a really insightful clip, clip about how white people have been stealing black people's music from the beginning of time. Yeah. He is very... Uh, I'm not the first king of controversy. I am the worst thing since Elvis Presley yeah, to, to do black music intro. so selfishly and use it to get myself wealthy. Yeah. Hey, uh, I just love <laughs> hey. even like the inflection because he's like to do black music so selfishly. Yeah, like yeah. the emphasis on ish and selfishly. Yeah, selfishly. Uh, he, I also he, he does. I will say it throughout his career. Yeah, throughout his career, he's very open acknowledging that he is as big as he is because he's white. Yeah, yeah. he never pretends that isn't the case. He mm-hmm. he said he references it all the time. He's just very like I would not be as big as I am if I wasn't a white guy and I just think it's it's I like that he is so just unabashed about acknowledging that and making jokes about it throughout yeah. his entire discography. He never he he always is talking about that. It's but funny I, that he like what he does not uh kind of hit the bar in terms of like misogyny and homophobia. Like he I feel like he's never been accused of being racist. racist. No. No. And his fans might be. <laughs> yeah, some of his fans probably are. Um, but, you know. No, he's, I mean, well, he's not. And, and and you also, it's funny, you never hear, um, I mean, he's so respected in mm. the hip hop community. He's so, you, like, you you hear other rappers say, you like, you don't, don't say anything about him because he because he's such like a vicious battle rapper and he and he'll go at you so he'll, he'll yeah. come to your well, house I mean, and I mean, insult just, you. I mean, just look at what he's said about uh, about people non at rap who've disrespected him. He's just so about you know like he did a, like a, that weird mixtape song like a, a underground song about Mariah Carey. Oh, when yeah, she, that's like so gross and dark and awful towards her it's like he and, yeah. and, and, and she hit first she did that weird video that was like about obsessed. him obsessed with the video with he was in it so just i think he just is like commands so much respect yeah um in the in the black hip-hop community you gotta come correct if you want to fuck with eminem i, I was he'll just, fuck you right back i was just gonna also say i was like about he, how he talks about choking people to death with the charleston chew uh just because <laughs> charleston like chew was one of my favorite candies <laughs> I mean, and it's you know that's a tough candy, so I feel like that yeah. that would do the job it if just you like needed the, to. Just like coming out of that verse, or like transitioning it over so smoothly but so abruptly, where he's like choking to death with the Charles and two chicka chicka chicka, and like moving right on. Yeah, uh, there's no like weight. Or again, extra like weight to that stuff. All the all the fucking alliteration at the beginning, where it's like choke with Charleston chew chicka chicka chicka, like yeah, it's good. It's good yeah. stuff. Yeah. Great. You don't want to know what my favorite line is? Yes. <laughs> I really like any in uh, uh, The Real Slim Shady when he says, Will Smith don't got a cuss in his raps to sell records, so I do, so fuck him and fuck you too. <laughs> I love that too. That's a great one. That's a great I just one. Feel like that's so that's a, simple. Because Will Smith accept like a VMA and, and like say, like, I don't got a cuss to sell yeah. my yeah. records, which oh. is a very lame thing to say yeah, in an acceptance dad. speech. Especially because it's like this rappers have been cussing. I mean, come on. For yeah. It's a really incredibly lame thing to take a stand on like if you don't want to do it that's fine but to get up there and be like I don't say the bad words 
yeah. it's, it's like Will Smith's school marm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the real Slim Shady is chock full of, of great amazing burns. quotable lines. So it's, many it's burns. so funny. So many burns. Yeah. And I, I just like that he's not necessarily insulting Will Smith as a person. He's just insulting his, like, uh, you know, squeamishness at, at yeah, curse yeah. words. Uh, and it's also good, like, the all-encompassing anger of Real Slim Shady about even his own producer. Where's Dr. Dre been? Dead. Locked in my basement. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like everyone. And you know Dre's, like, sitting on the other side of the booth being like, what the fuck is this guy <laughs> talking he's, about? He's, like, in, if I remember correctly, he's, like, in the video nodding in the background. I'm like, yep, I am. He yeah. killed me. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's so funny. Yeah, I, mean, that's a, I mean, that's obviously one of his all-time classics. That's just a great song in terms of just, like, again, his place within the world of popular music at the time is just so funny. So it just is like he's such this we- – he has such a weird position where he's so big, but he's mm-hmm. – everyone else who's popular then is so different than him. So it's funny that he just does this song where it's just like – going at everybody else in the world of pop music. Also, the, like, the thesis of Real Slim Shady is like, it's not like there were a spate of other white rappers yeah. hitting the charts at the same time. I think yeah. maybe he was more thinking about his fans. Like, yeah. everyone is like is acting. I, I think he was thinking about his fans. That everyone yeah. wants to be like him. We just heard this as it went by, but he burns Tom Green in this song. Hey, Tom Green was pretty burnable Tom, at the and time. Tom, yeah, Tom Green was big back then. Yeah. I mean, Tom, <laughs> but it's so funny to think of like all that stuff enshrouded in this, like, like the, again, the number one recording artist of the 21st century is like infamous for his rips on Tom, Tom Green. Green. Tom and Green. Fred Durst. <laughs> Fred Durst. Pamela I'm d- I'm Anderson dying. and Tommy Lee. Yeah. Uh, Will Smith, Carson Daly, Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears. It's such a portrait of like a nine month period. In it, two, no, year really, it, like that song is a por- is a portrait of a time in, yeah. in a very demented way. But it yeah. is really like this was the TRL like yeah. world. Like yes. this is what was big then. Well, it's so funny too because like another podcast we did was on Travis Barker, who was someone else who was unexpectedly thrust into the TRL universe when Blink One Eighty Two had their hits, and he had the complete opposite reaction, where he was just like, "This is cool. Like, I yeah. really like going to these parties, and like, it's cool to like, you know, fuck these hot women, and uh, <laughs> like, I'm having a great time. I don't really see a problem with this. Like, I never thought I was gonna get like famous, famous for being a essentially a punk rock drummer, but I'm loving it. And Eminem is like, oh my. My God, I'm having an existential crisis. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Travis Barker's having whatever the opposite of an existential crisis is. It makes sense. I, I can't imagine I'm having fun at those kinds of parties. No. <laughs> well, remember the Triumph, the insult comic dog thing where no. he, he like tried to punch the puppet. Right. Yeah, oh that was like a God. whole. He's, he mentioned it in the book. Like it, he gave it some serious space because he said that it was like he literally did not understand what Triumph, the insult comic dog was or what the shtick was, and like he just thought that someone was trying to like get in his face, and he. I think he lashed out with a fist. Yeah, I mean, he, he was also maybe he's a little not drunk. like an yeah he's he's not like a healthy, well-adjusted Justin, guy. No. I mean, that's like that, that, that's, that's coping goes, skills. That goes without saying. That's why he's like <laughs> just spends most of his time in his in Detroit with like his inner circle. He doesn't like to like be out in the world that much because he just is not. He's not like a, a normal person. There's a whole like insert. It might be a multi-page insert where all he's doing is flipping off the camera. <laughs> <laughs> he's flipping it off with Kid Rock with uh, Marilyn Manson. Uh, oh my god, like it's uh, insane. We're like, I'm sure at the time they were all p- published. People being like, Oh, Eminem, so cute, keeping up his persona for this, and it, in his internal monologue is like, Don't fucking take my picture. I don't want to be here. Fuck this. I yeah, don't. Probably. Yeah. Also, low-key low Eminem fan is Dustin Hoffman. Did people know that? What? Em, uh, Dustin Hoffman is like a stan, I think. 
he, he would, would really love him. Yeah, he might. I love it. I uh, right. have already. So what else do we add in the story in the story of the book? Yeah, so he kind of like loses the the narrative thread <laughs> after a certain point where he's like, I got famous, like I'm you know, start taking drugs. Yeah, lo- loses the thread. Yeah, so you know, he talks about his his temper. He says he's always had a problem with his temper. Um, he like had a, a lot of like gun issues in his younger years. Um, he says that when he was like, uh, you know, just sort of a burgeoning rapper, he said, I saw an episode of Cops that was based in Michigan. Right, the episode said that in the state of Michigan, you can get a mandatory year for each bullet if you don't have a concealed weapons license my idiotic logic at the time was to never have more than three bullets in my gun that way if i get if i got caught i figured i would only do three years okay eminem all right genius sure genius yeah um he he got arrested (laughs) and almost like charged with a serious uh crime for uh shooting a like a stranger in the balls with a paintball gun when he was with crew <laughs> this was when he was like super young like yeah. he, i don't think he was signed yet um he allegedly I mean, pistol whipped not, not, not a shocker no. uh that might be this episode's whom among us whomst among <laughs> us hasn't done that <laughs> arrested for shooting a stranger oh, in the man. you know how it is <laughs> Um, he allegedly pistol whipped a guy who kissed Kim when he when they were married. Um, that was he caught, caught a felony I, charge for that. I would uh, highly recommend not kissing Eminem's girlfriend. No, no, definitely not. And then uh, speaking of ICP, he got into a quote little scuffle with a guy who was working for his old enemies in St. Clown Posse. Um, so that was like he, he's very vague, I'm sure, because legally he has to be vague. But he, he caught something like three felony charges in a single weekend because he just like oh went on like he, this sort of like violent reaction spree. <laughs> Um, yeah. Yeah. I Anger mean, management. It's not, it's not, none of this is shocking. Um, it is, it should be noted that before Proof died, he organized a peaceful game of bowling between Eminem and ICP and they buried the hatchet. Oh, yeah. So Eminem and ICP went bowling, bowling together? I love it. Oh my God. That is adorable. Yeah. That would be a great documentary. Fly on the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Fly on the wall for <laughs> that like one. an oral history of that night. I also... <laughs> I can't really. It's hard for me to imagine Eminem having fun. Fun. I can. I can maybe see it for I, something like bowling. Yeah. I maybe. don't think. I've, no, I don't know. I. For me, I think he enjoys rapping. rapping. He yeah. enjoys mm-hmm. writing and rapping. I feel like that is what he wants to. I mean, I've heard. I read a thing with Rick Rubin where he was talking about different artists he's worked with. And he said Eminem is the single most obsessive artist of any artist he's ever worked with. And Rick yeah. Rubin has worked with like everybody. 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 Yeah. So he says that in terms of like just pure obsession in terms of what you're doing, he's number one. So I mm. think that's what he likes to do. Yeah. And I think he spends his life doing that. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen a visual evidence of Eminem enjoying himself. Uh, yeah, probably not. I mean, when I saw him in concert, it seemed like he was enjoying it, but also he tours so, 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 so rarely. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's almost a sure thing that he does not enjoy it because <laughs> he's making an obscene amount of money. And it's like, this was on the tour he did with Rihanna where they did literally six dates. They did two. Are you a, kidding? They did two, two shows in LA, two shows in Detroit, two shows in New York. That was it. That was it. And that was and that was his first time playing LA in like nine years. So it was I mean, he never performs. So it's like this year he did like three dates in in, um in the UK. He's like he'll do like a few dates every now and then, but it's like he clearly doesn't enjoy it. But that all that being said, it seemed like he was enjoying it. Yeah. I don't know, but but uh, but it's hard to say. I yeah, I, I agree. I don't think he's like a real fun loving guy. <laughs> it's funny that he toured. I didn't realize he toured so infrequently because his kind of common 
theme is saying like I just love like that my music brings the fans together. I'm like, then you don't ever see these fans together very yeah. often. I love that my music brings the fans together somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the fans together away from me. <laughs> I think that's the undergrowth. I love it yeah. brings it together out of my life. I don't need to see it. Um, I don't need to witness it. Yeah, no, I mean, he, but I he, hope it's happening. Yeah. Uh, um, anyway, so he's... You know, he he talks about he's got an, a anger issues, and he says, "When you grow up like I did, bouncing around, fighting for everything, it does make you angry. It just does. No wonder I was so mad at everything. It was almost a way for me to piss back in the face of the people who pissed on me all my life, to get back at every bully who ever picked on me, every person who ever fucked with me growing up. The, the fact that Haley's life, the bully, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, the fact that Haley's life is so different than mine is one of my proudest achievements. Oh, sweet, yeah." So He's I, very concerned with making sure that his kid's up, upbringing no. is not the same as his own. That being said, no, he uh, he he is saying this, and then so, shortly after the book came out, he almost dies from a drug overdose. Yes. So yeah. I mean, there's a little bit of uh, in retrospect. There's some aspirations. Maybe he was doing some things that were not great as a father back then. But yeah. he seems, by all accounts, to uh, be a good father. Also, was, the you know the psychological implications of like talking about murdering your your daughter's mom. Yeah. On a song when yeah. she's hears that, like probably aren't great. On a couple of songs, yeah. Basically, I think everyone's parents fuck up their kids. It's just yeah. how. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, it, I, just I, called parenting. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he definitely puts at least puts out the image publicly of being a very devoted father. Dedicated dad. Um and it and it seems like, you know, he he never is doing anything. So it feels like he probably is home with his daughter most of the time because he just seems like he's just always he's in around. Detroit and doesn't ever yeah. do anything. So I mean I, I like to choose to believe that he is a a, a good and devoted father. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like he is. So this brings us basically to the end of this book in 2008. Pretty much, yes. Uh, um the the only other thing I would add is that uh he he talks about Eight Mile, which, you know, he's basically like, Eight Mile was so fun to shoot because it was basically just like my life. So it was pretty easy to act in. But apparently there's a scene in Eight Mile that got cut where he's like interacting with a horse. Like he's, it's like he he finds this like horse in a field or something and he's like talking to the horse and he convinced the director to cut the scene because he said like it was ridiculous and like my my early life, this would have never happened. Like it's super weird and artsy and I don't like it. Oh my God. And so he said, I fought tooth and nail to get this scene with a horse out of the fucking movie because it made no sense whatsoever. Horses and me, we don't get on too well. I wouldn't fuck with a horse. If a, ho- if, if a horse dissed me, I wouldn't say anything back. <laughs> so we found Eminem's kryptonite. Yeah, horses. horses. The, the, one, o- the one person who can insult Eminem and he won't come back at is, you, a horse. is a horse. Yeah. It's like, no, man, I can't, I can't, I can't go back at that horse. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Uh, and Joel, do you recognize somebody in this photo? Uh... Oh my God! It's a guy from Ballers. Yes. Oh, was he in eight? He was in Eight Mile. So wow, uh, Charles. Charles from Ballers. From Ballers was in Eight Mile. Amazing. I noticed this which, and was like, which oh, is cool. Why you're on this podcast? Because there is, uh, you know, very deep dive Ballers uh, crossover that we needed a Ballers expert. Oh, thank you. On. I thought it was on because we were such good friends. And nope. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, no, I, I honestly, it's been a while since I've seen Eight Mile, uh, so I forgot. I, I, I have not watched Eight Mile since the premiere of Ballers, so I cannot speak to the overlap. But that's fascinating. I mean, that guy is a really good actor. He's, yeah. one, he's one of the better actors on Ballers, a show with wildly disproportionate acting ability among its cast. <laughs> uh, so, so at the end of the story. Um, I wanted to bring up 
one thing that I think is very important about Eminem and the Eminem mythos, because mm-hmm. after this, this is before even the recovery and relapse yeah. yes. uh, phase. But and I Marshmallow's think, LP too. Yeah. Like three right. albums. Plus. And I think that it's important to recognize uh, in him, and we were talking about this around Elton John, is his ability to self-reflect yeah. and mm-hmm. how self-reflection and growth in whatever way you define growth in Eminem is baked into like what he does that everything that he puts out reflects upon what he has already done and arrives at a new position from it. And I think that that is one of the most important parts of him as an artist. Yeah. He's very autobiographical as an artist and very honest and and very much like every album feels like him in the moment, like in therapy, talking about mm-hmm. his deepest feelings about his own life. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's a there's a very raw, pure honesty to him that I feel like it's like he's not really capable of not doing that. It's like there's some artists, some some rappers on like like Jay Z. Some of his albums feel very honest, and some of them feel a little bit more just kind of like making shit up. Ma- just you know, we're just kind of trying to make like bullshitting. Hits. Just, yeah. just bullshitting, and the, the and those are the worst, the the weaker albums of his. And mm-hmm. Eminem has better and weaker albums, but there always is a through line of very raw honesty in everything he does good or bad and that is that is kind of a like Tupac was like that too but there aren't um, but uh, Kendrick is like that there's, there's some rappers who are like that but a lot of them there's a lot of bullshit in rap music mm-hmm. that he mostly uh, avoids I think that that is the part of him that allows us as consumers and or fans and or stands of his <laughs> art to reckon with some of the nastier things of it mm-hmm. is his capacity for reflection and reckoning with himself. The fact that he doesn't do those verses anymore is important to us understanding where those verses were in time and place and his ability to not just to when he says, that's just what I was thinking. And that's what, just what I'm saying that not being just him brushing off accusations. It's like, I don't do that anymore because I have come to understand that that is not a thing that I should have done in the first place. And I did it because I was pushing back on all the people who Mm -hmm. were trying to police my language. And now I don't have to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm above that. Um, That's that's interesting that you say that because that's basically how he ends the book is he says... Whether I'm someone's favorite rapper or not, whether I'm thought of as one of the best, one of the most half-assed, whatever it is, I am one of the most personal rappers. That's why people relate to me, because people feel like I show so much of myself. That's why random people like taxi drivers call me Marshall. Uh, And the reason I put so much of myself... (laughs) Can you imagine? I sort of take exception with that as an example. (laughs) um, I do agree with everything else he's saying. He calls you Marshall because, like, you know... Everyone knows that you're famous. (laughs) Yeah. Also, like, are you you really taking random taxis? I feel like he's like... No, just because he has a name in the Uber app is Marshall yeah. and the guy pulls up and is like oh hello Marshall is- <laughs> yeah. and he says and the reason I put so much of myself out there in the first place is because I had no idea I was going to be so famous I had no idea no fucking clue if I had to do it again I don't know if I would I'm glad though that my music has brought people together somewhere else <laughs> somewhere so, yeah, somewhere that is not in my mansion in Detroit <laughs> yeah. so it's, fu- it's funny that he says that it might be modified if he known how how he would be perceived in, in public Molly is is Eminem hot? Great question. That is, you know what? That's an amazing question because it's unclear. Uh, <laughs> like sometimes I would think no, and then sometimes I'm like, ah, he could maybe get it, but then I feel weird about that. I'm gonna make a make a prediction that if he plays Coachella and we're all there, 
at the end, Molly, panties you be, are coming you be, off. You would be like, yeah. <laughs> 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 I, I mean, that's just, I'm just I'm just guessing, yeah. but I just well, think. Well, the, speaking to the very last thing that I want to get to today is like kind of a coda to this. Uh, that Eminem's been back in the news uh, a lot oh, yes. recently, um, specifically back, for his back again, back again. again. Uh, specifically for his uh, BET Hip Hop Awards freestyle diss mm-hmm. on Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Cipher. 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 Is, is that the, the name of it? A ci- yeah, Cipher is a freestyle with no backing track. Okay. Um, traditionally, I believe a Cipher is a thing where it's like a group of people and you like you do one and then as you stop, so you another guy picks yeah, yeah. up. But BET does it where it's just like multiple rappers do a Cipher over the course of the night. But yeah, that's technically what it was called was the BET Cipher. Great. Trivia. I didn't know that that was a thing. But, who, uh, who else went that night? And I, did anyone care? Obviously uh, not. N- numerous other rappers did go that night, but nobody cared. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do want to talk about the actual content of this for a second. But the thing that makes me transition into it is as I, as we were watching it, I almost I was like, like I almost couldn't tell, even though I clicked on the link as like seeing that it was Eminem, almost couldn't tell that it was Eminem because he kind of looks so good. For knowing that he is like coming out of a decade of pill dependency, he does look good. To which Molly equipped. Well, drug drug addicts have amazing skin because they stay inside all day, so they don't have sun damage. I, I can't remember who <laughs> said that. Oh, you know, you know sense. who people said it about was Edie Sedgwick in in the book about Edie Sedgwick, like yeah. the big um, defining book by the guy who edited the Paris Review. I, like that's what um, a designer like Diane von Furstenberg said about Edie Sedgwick because. Like she was inside doing speedballs all day. I believe that Dre uh, looks great too. Dre yep. does look. Dre great. spends a lot of time in the in the studio, and sometimes on his porch in Malibu drinking. Uh, Some calm before the storm, gin. right here. Wait, how was I gonna start this off? I forgot. Oh yeah. That's an awfully hot coffee pot. Should I drop it on Donald Trump? Probably not, but that's all I got till I come up with a solid. Solid what? I don't know. I don't know if this is YouTube skipping or not. But. Got a plan and now I got a hatchet like a damn Apache with a tomahawk. I'm a walk inside a mosque on Ramadan and say a prayer that every time talks. That fucker? <laughs> Yeah, it's my sensor. This is the radio edit. I'm a radio Well, they probably probably can't say this stuff on TV. Yeah, yeah. But we better give Obama props, because what we got in office now's a kamikaze that'll probably cause a nuclear holocaust. And while the drama pops and he waits for shit to quiet down, he'll just gas his plane up and fly around till the bombing stops. Intensity's heightened, tensions are rising. Trump, when it comes to giving a shit, you're stingy as I am. Except when it comes to having the balls to go against me, you hide them. All right, we don't have to listen to all this, but I want to talk a second about Mm -hmm. placing Eminem into our current moment Mm -hmm. and how I almost wish... I'll say my first thought is that I kind of wish that this was more in the... uh, I'm a come on your lips uh, <laughs> yeah. version of Eminem freestyle freestyling. Mm. Like if it was more immature, more scatological, more like wild and violent, I think that this would be a little more effective. Like that he's trying to be so serious about it is it yeah. kind of undercuts the got to treat him like Tom it. Green. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, th- I I'm of two thoughts about the the cipher, uh, and I do think 
it uh, was, it, it's fine as like rap. It's a little bit, it's been a little, like some people are clowning, other people I think it was very overpraised. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Keith Olbermann, I don't know if you saw, <laughs> tweeted. Oh, that, yes. Uh, this was what one of the weirder takes I've ever seen <laughs> was after being unsure about rap for 17 years, I am now an Eminem fan. And this is the best political writing of the year. And best political writing of the year, I mean, whatever, but just saying like this is what convinced you that rap isn't garbage is a little weird and a lot of rap twitter was really clowning on him for that yeah so i do think i mean it's it's a freestyle it's yeah. it, 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 it's like he's doing it all i feel like he is doing it off the top of his head i'm sure probably they, some I, mean, of these I, th- thoughts, yeah. I think they probably shot much more than they did and they cut and they edited together the best parts but it does feel mm-hmm. like he's just doing it off the top um so it's fine it's like over both overpraised and underpraised the thing that is good about mm-hmm. it was the thing at the end where he basically says to his fans mm-hmm. if you either like if, if you're a fan of mine you're a fan of his Fuck you, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do think that does, and I'm not the first one to say this, that does have some validity because I think the overlap of the core Eminem fan base and the core Trump fan base is significant. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of people who love Eminem who I'm sure are part serious. White people feeling ignored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Serious Trump fans. And I do think there are, probably were some people who were very disturbed by the fact that their favorite musician who has not done anything in, in, in a while, who's been silent, comes out and basically says, fuck you yeah. for, for liking Trump. And I do think there I, 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 I'm sure there are people who were genuinely disturbed and and thrown by that. There were probably people that, who were like who literally up until that minute were like, yes, I am both an Eminem fan and a Trump yeah. fan. And that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and he is in a unique position to do that and a lot of people are being like oh you know it's a white another white guy it's, it's like a white savior whatever blah 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 hmm. but like he is in a unique position to do that in terms of his fan base yes i mean it, it's 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 it would be even better if like taylor swift did it but it's uh exactly but, it, but it's like for him there is a lot of overlap in those core constituencies and i think there it's not it's not immaterial that he did that i've been thinking about this take a lot lately this is from the uh Earlier this month in the NFL Times, uh, this is David J. Roth on Twitter. David Roth on Twitter. Um, the <laughs> the tweet is: Real Americans don't need sports, entertainment, friends, or community. We need big wet leader, the thick boy who gets upset about TV. <laughs> and I like Sorry. I like the idea of like slowly. It's a great tweet. That Thank you great. at David underscore J underscore Roth. That is great. Uh, the idea that like slowly, slowly as these things come out as Eminem, one of the most popular recording artists of all time come out as like the, these two things are mutually exclusive. That slowly, slowly Trump supporters like have to be like, we do not watch M- NFL. We do not listen to Eminem. We just like retreat into this core of, 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 of thick, nothingness. Of loving thick boy. Of loving thick the boy. Big, the big, the big wet, wet leader. leader. Yeah. I also, mean, the NFL stuff is like it's not uh, that's not bullshit of like the idea that people Trump supporters are boycotting the NFL because like uh, yeah, my are. sister's co-workers are doing that. Really? They were. She said something about watching the game. And they're like, you're watching the game. How dare you? Uh, I'm ready for yeah. Eminem to come back. Uh, I feel like his big push to come back with like that rap God stuff. I mean, releasing a six and a half minute long song about your technical mastery of hip hop, I don't think was like the right way. I mean, it was oh, obviously I like great. That song. It was great. Yeah, it was great. It was great for him, but I, I mean, I would love another like fun, silly, like, yeah, I like with like good, silly tracks and jokes yeah. and like the, 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 a pop song again. For a lot of rappers, when they try really hard 
to make themselves something. Mm -hmm. It's an issue. This is an issue I found, I, I think is actually very uh, easily illustrated with Drake, who mm -hmm. I know you're not a fan of, but Drake released an album, like a couple, I'm coming back to Eminem, Drake released an album like two years ago called Views that was very uh, bad, in my opinion. <laughs> you, didn't like, you didn't like Views. I did not like Views. I think there's a couple of good tracks, but I think it's an unbelievable slog of an album. <laughs> and I feel like there was a, it was generally a mixed received album. It was a very big hit, but it was like not that well received. And it felt to me like he was trying very hard to create an, a big, important album. Yeah. Then that this, was like his release style too, and everything. Yeah, the like the way thing, the or album like, cover of the tiny hymns staring. Yeah, the whole thing, the the, with the way I'm structured, where like like just kind of the aesthetic of the whole album, feeling of a piece. It all felt very like this is my statement, and it was a bummer. It was a slog, and it wasn't good. Yeah. This year he released uh, more life, which he billed as a playlist, playlist. rather than album. Whatever you want to say about that. Lots of guest spots on it, lots of different features, lots of different producers, lots of different types of music, and it was much, 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 much better. Yeah. And it, it, it and that in him, it just feels like he just didn't care as much. And you can say like, oh, well, it's stupid that he called it a place or whatever, but I just feel like his mindset was different, and that made it him looser and better and more interesting. I think Eminem it might be the same kind of thing where it's like he released Recovery, which was like his big, I'm his big like inspirational album okay it mm -hmm. was had some good songs but also felt a little too serious a little too self-serious and he released Marshall Mathers LP2 the sequel to what is widely considered by many to be his best album and again some good songs some cool tracks I, I'm a big fan of Rap God but again it felt a little bit like he was just it's long and it just felt a little bit like he's trying if he his just, albums are long in general his albums are long in general and it would be nice but again I the fact that he's taking this long in between albums doesn't bode well but I feel like <laughs> if he like just released something a little that has less pressure on it it might be a little more fun and a little more like the old Eminem maybe like a three song uh, release called an amuse bouche <laughs> like amuse bouche yeah. yeah this has been great I feel like we've gotten a uh, at least I have a much clearer understanding of how I feel about Eminem uh, I hope both of you guys do and I hope all of you there out in Radioland have the same thing Radioland uh, Podland <laughs> The Podland Chronicles. The pod Zone. Um, the Joel, Pod Pod. Would you like to plug anything? Sure. Uh, well, I, as you said, I do do a podcast about the TV show Ballers called Ballin' Out that's available on iTunes with our friend Dave Collins. It's uh, better than the show. Yeah. Thank you, Molly. I, I appreciate think, that. I think it's uh, way better than the show. We are in a bit of a hiatus right now as the show is not on. Uh, but Have you talked at all about it, my idea of just becoming a full-on rock career overview uh, podcast? Oh, rock career. Oh, yeah. I think you meant rock music. I'm like, you, no, guys, no. you guys do that. No, no. Um, <laughs> we talk. Yeah, we might. I mean, we, we do have a, some ideas of like doing some like inner special episodes coming up in between, but we'll see if that happens. But uh, that's a fun podcast because it really is. We just basically use this very weird TV show as a jumping off point to discuss uh, sports, government, politics, <laughs> masculinity in America. Just we talk about the American experiment through the lens of ballers. Yes. Um, Huh. And uh, and I'm on Twitter, uh, though I have not been that active lately. But maybe I'll get back into it uh, at uh, Joel Sininsky. And I think that's about it. I worked on a TV show called White Famous on Showtime. If everyone Ooh. wants to check that out, I think that's appropriate. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Fuck this. I'll, I'll plug this. I'm on a sketch team at the Magnet Theater. We're called Raw Den Denim. You can see our next sketch show November 13th at around 7:30 p.m. 7:30 Eastern at the Magnet Theater. If you're in town, go see it. It's good. That's New York two, City. Two shows have been good. Yeah, it's in the New Big York. Apple. The Big Awful. Mm -hmm. New York. 
that's what I got. What do you got, Molly? I really don't have that much going on these days. No. <laughs> Working on stuff. You can follow me uh, on Twitter at Miss Molly Mary, where I think I'm underrated. <laughs> uh, you can follow me on <laughs> You can follow me on Twitter uh, at Say What Again, where I think I'm rated. rated. You think uh, you have about the same number of uh, RTs, faves, and followers that you deserve, Chris? Basically. Yeah. Um, I want more. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter at mm. andintropod or send us an email at andintroducingpod at gmail.com. Our SoundCloud, as always, is at soundcloud.com slash and-intro-pod. And remember to subscribe to us on iTunes. And you should rate and review us, too, while you're there, because it helps people find us out. I don't know. I feel like... There's uh, an algorithm or something. People will do that if they want to. Mostly, I just want you, if you enjoy this show, go tell a friend. Like, verbally pass on that, hey, there's this podcast that I like that you should listen to. You know I think when that word of mouth is going to be the best uh, promo for us. You know when there's a lull in a conversation and you don't really know like what to say? We clearly don't have that problem, but sometimes you do with your friends and then you can just be like, so you listen to any good podcasts lately? Like I listen to a great one called And Introducing. Take, and then that, they take can, that script. That's yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's actually very Because life people. is full of awkward moments, you know? Oh, yeah. I like chock full. You can say it to your boss. Maybe don't say it to you. Say it to your boss. Say it to your boss. Say it to your boss. Tell your boss about our podcast. This is the, at least the second time you've told people to, re- you've recommended people tell their bosses about no, our I podcast. No, I told people to tell their moms and their Tinder dates. I think you also said bosses the last Fine. time. Fine. Listen, work rules are our lives. Anyway. We're all just hamsters in the <laughs> wheel of capitalism. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> we'll end the show for today. <laughs> Uh, this has been another episode of Anne Introducing. Uh, thank, thank you, Joel, for coming on. Thank Thanks, you, Joel. Guys. Uh, and we'll talk to you later. Later.